Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yeah. Here's some breaking news. My life has totally changed in a great way. All right, so tonight the show, my Newsmax show, does not start until 10 p.m. Eastern time. That would be 9 Central, uh, 8 Mountain, Mountain, and 7 Pacific. All right? All right. So I'm. it's number one. Uh, my day is a little bit, I can breathe. You know, my dad always said, you need a little bit of breathing room. That's Joe Biden lying about something his dad said. He was lying his ass off just a little while ago and yelling his ass off at uh, some phony baloney speech she was given to the AFL-CIO. Going to make it easier to form unions. Oh, boy. You know, I guess some unions are necessary, some. But they're just, oh, boy, talk about institutionalized laziness. I mean, institutionalized Sit on your assness. I mean, um, all right, enough with the ass. Sorry. But I'm not a big, well, I'm in a union, and they have from time to time, yeah, they got a great health care plan and this, that, and the other thing. But some of these unions, you know, the ones where you say, they say, you know, it's illegal for anybody else but that guy to pick up the chair. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. If anybody else touches the chair but that one union guy, everybody else is in trouble. I don't like that kind of union. And then you got one guy. His job is to just stare at the chair until another union guy says, you can move it. It's just there are jobs out there like that. Broadway, excuse me. So what else? What else? What else? 10 o'clock tonight. That's a big change. It gives me more time to work out. It gives me more time to read. It gives me more time to think. And um, I'm just not so compressed. I think it's going to be good. And I'll have more capacity to fight the fake news. I'll also have, uh, I don't know if I'm going to have actually more family time, more recreation time. I had a very full workout today. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. One thing I did not do, but it's June 14th, and I... This is an important day. Oh, yeah, it's Flag Day. It's Donald Trump's birthday. Happy birthday. That's fantastic. Uh, Birthday, great day to have a birthday. And um, 
How old is he, by the way? 76, I think, right? He was born in 1946 in Jamaica, Queens. I think at Jamaica Hospital. His, his birth certificate, no problem finding it. There's Jamaica Hospital right next to the Van Wick Expressway. And there is a Trump pavilion now at that hospital. Native New Yorker. When's the last uh, Native Before Trump, who was a president born in New York? FDR. I think he was born way upstate somewhere. Teddy Roosevelt, maybe. And I think he's going to be back. It's going to be spectacular. If you want to be better than all your um, than anybody else you see on the fake news, take a little bit of time and read the documents. Read. They don't want you reading this stuff. Donald Trump put out 12 pages, 12 pages, his response to the January 6th nonsense, and it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. He is one of the best communicators in the history of the world, verbally and in writing. It's so clear. I'll get to it in a moment. It's great stuff. But first, but first, remember, 10 p.m. tonight, my Newsmax show. And um, join me. If you haven't checked it out yet, uh, tonight's a good night to watch because I'm going to start with a little bit of a I'll hit the the late breaking stuff. I'm going to have to address some things with Biden and inflation. And then I'm going to go into this whole reason, you know, why is there this show? Why do I do it this way? What does this show stand for? And one thing I'm going to come out and I'll tell you, I've done it before, but I am a conspicuous, I am conspicuous about my bias. I am conspicuous and open about where I'm coming from ideologically. You know, everybody on NBC, CBS, ABC, all those horribly slanted, biased, left-wing shows, they all pretend that they're neutral. They all pretend that, oh, yeah, we're just calling it the facts, the facts, the facts. Well, um, it's not just about the facts, actually. It's the spin you put on those facts. It's the importance you assign a fact. It is the context. It's do you use this fact or do you use that fact? Look, it sounds worse than it is, all right? It really is. It's just like you and I might have different perspectives of what something means. The, the idea that someone's just going to sit there and relay facts, you already know what's going on. Whether you do, whether you think that or not, in part, thanks to the phone, what do I call it? Digital osmosis. Everybody kind of knows what's going on. There's so much stuff out there. People know what's going on. Okay, now we have to make sense of it. Now, what does it mean? How do we, you know, and what's your opinion? It's fun to know people's opinions sometimes. The most brilliant people in the world, the Supreme Court, they can look at the same facts and have 100% diametrically opposed views. I think I was going for 180 degrees opposed views, right? Five to four decisions, six to three decisions, five to four decisions happens every single day. Enough of that stuff right for the moment. I want to talk about two guys who impressed the hell out of me last night. Andrew Giuliani, son of Rudy, gubernatorial candidate for New York State. And you know what? He might just pull it off. He was fantastic last night against uh, three seasoned politicians. Now, one of those guys also was fantastic. Rob Astorino, longtime county executive there in Westchester, um, very successful radio executive, and uh, he is a committed, concerned citizen. I think he's a statesman. I would love to see a Astorino-Giuliani ticket or a Giuliani-Astorino ticket. I love both of those guys. They were fantastic. They were cool, calm, collected. They were funny. They were informative. I agree with them on the issues. Now, 
Lee Zeldin. I like Lee Zeldin, but I don't know what the hell made him so angry last night. And uh, what's the other guy's name? Harry Wilson. I get it, Harry. All right, you're a rich guy, and you really want into politics. Um, but I'm sorry. He needs work. He just needs work. Um, I don't think it's going to happen for Harry. I get it. You're rich, and you went to Harvard. But Lee Zeldin should not have been as mad as he was. All right, let's take a listen to Cut 38. This is the... WCBS Channel 2 gubernatorial GOB debate. And Andrew Giuliani, you were fantastic. Cut 38. I have to tell you, you know, when I think about the Second Amendment and I think about this debate and I think about what Governor Hochul has done, she has continued to encroach on New Yorkers' Second Amendment rights rather than empowering the police. We need to end this war on our police. I heard one of the other candidates invoke broken windows invoke stop, question, and frisk. We need to utilize programs that take New York City specifically and that we can do for the state from 2,000 murders a year in the early 90s to less right. than he 600 murders stuff. a year. Just five. He knows his stuff, and he was good. And also, Marsha Kramer tried to trap him a couple of times. It's like, hey, I know what you're doing, Marsha. I got it, all right? Let me answer the question. It was very good. Astorino was terrific. Rob Astorino. Let's hear him on gun control. Cut 40, please. Well, we have gun-free zones right now. They don't work at all because we're looking at something, and I think we need to change the the debate a little bit here, from gun control to criminal control. Right now, it's the criminals who get away with everything, okay? And it's the law-abiding New Yorkers who have a Second Amendment right to own a weapon for self-defense who are being targeted all the time. We have a district attorney right now in Manhattan, Alvin Bragg, who should be fired. I mean, he is refusing to prosecute crimes. And the biggest problem is they drop criminal charges when somebody is arrested with an illegal possession of a weapon. That should never be. We should actually add charges and penalties to gun crimes. You know, we've got a parole board right now that has released 20 cop killers in the last two years under Hochul. They should all be fired. we got to get back to actually what worked broken windows policy, stop, question, and frisk. The majority of these gun gun crimes are in a small area, concentrated area in our urban areas. That's where we got to target to get illegal guns off the streets. Very thoughtful. Very thoughtful that measured. Now you had Lee Zeldin, and Lee Zeldin's got a great resume. I mean, Iraq War veteran, he's in Congress. That's kind of a big deal in some ways. Lawyer, thoughtful guy, big Trump defender during the impeachment, but... I don't know why the hell he was so angry last night. Cut 49, please. Cut 49, please. Mr. Yeah, I mean, I, I never asked, and I wouldn't ask, yes, never Trump did. or Harry Wilson. January 12th, Lieutenant you did. Governor. I've got the notes from that conversation. Don't lie. I, there's, don't lie. Okay, that is a zero percent chance. But as far as... hundred percent chance you did I wouldn't it. want you to serve as you Lieutenant asked. Governor. I asked Alex Esposito, commanding Stop officer lying. and deputy inspector of the 73th precinct. Stop lying. She was 24 years along a career in NYPD. She would have become an NYPD chief. Her father was an NYPD chief. She was I the 15th person you asked, and you know it. I, I mean, this guy Everybody doesn't stop. You're wrong on the wrong debate stage, man. You should be debating Hochul and Williams. I will in the general election. You should be on the Democratic Party primary debate stage right now. Now, as far as what Astorino stated, uh, he knows this. There's nothing in that budget that funded the SAFE Act. I opposed the SAFE Act every step of the way. I co-sponsored the bill to repeal it. I spoke at Pro-2A rallies against the SAFE Act. 
Listen, I don't mind taking on all three of you here tonight, and I'm looking forward to taking on and defeating Kathy Hochul in November. But you can lie as much as you want, but Republican voters are smarter than you, Harry Wilson. You went to Harvard, yes, but don't think that you are smarter than the Republican voters across the state of New York who can sort, they figure you out, never Trumper. They figured you out that you worked twice for, as an Obama advisor. They figured you out that you fired your unvaccinated employees. The more you talk, the more it helps everybody else. honest with voters. Keep talking. You need to be honest with voters wow it almost got physical there huh hey man you should be on another stage um (laughs) you gotta you gotta be cool i love look i love a good fight sometimes you know what i mean but uh that was that was wild you gotta be disciplined you gotta be focused i mean it's one thing to take a knockout punch but this is kind of flailing and nothing's really landing i mean that's the equivalent of biting and scratching and hair pulling you want a knockout punch economy of words don't just keep talking a mile a minute figure out what the hell it is the worst thing about that guy and then lay it on him bam and then stop talking if i were the debate coach all right let's give this harry what's his name again harry wilson i gotta say going into it i'm like i he didn't look uh well he he didn't look that well i'm sorry he he's 50 years old he looked like he was a good 65 uh, Harry Wilson, um, 45, cut 40. Who is he, by the way? I'll get back to you on that. I got to look it up. Cut 45. Policies closely don't realize how much of the cost of food, energy, and housing is driven by bad Albany regulations. So I agree with my colleagues here on the need to expand our energy supply and in all of the above energy policy, and that will help on utility bills. Okay, But 48 cents of a gallon of gas is driven by taxes from Albany. Only 16 cents has been waived for a short period of time. On food uh, and things like uh, regulations coming out of Albany that have driven up the cost of milk and shut right. down well over 1,000 dairy I can't, farms. He's too nervous. By the way, these guys are all pretty much on the same page as far as policy. And all of them, I think, have pledged to fire uh, Alvin Bragg. Have they? Alvin Bragg's got to go. The Manhattan DA who loves criminals and hates cops. Um, Giuliani was the most kind of candid about that. All right, here's one more. This is Wilson messing, uh, going after Lee Zeldin. Now, Harry Wilson... Now, who is this guy, actually? I mean, I know he went to Harvard. He ran for Comptroller like 20 years ago, lost. and uh, But he really wants into politics. Cut 48. Marsh, I got the first rebuttal because Mr. Zeldin's attacked me twice in the last two turns. So let's be clear. What's happened in 2010, Mr. Zeldin and I campaigned together. In the years since, he has asked me multiple times to run for statewide office. In January of this year, he asked me to be on his ticket. Now, why is he dishonestly attacking me now? Because his campaign is disintegrating. He is spending illegally because he has spent all of his primary cash, and he knows he is failing. So he's attacking the biggest threat because we're surging right now. The reason we're surging is when people know about our turnaround plan to fix New York State, it's not some career politician who failed us in Albany for four years, but someone's going to come in after 30 years of fixing broken companies, turn Albany upside down, and make it work for the voters and taxpayers of the state, just like I have done in company after company. That's the skill set we need in Albany, not another failed Albany politician. Uh, uh, um. Maybe he's surging. Something tells me he's not surging. I, I I don't know. Maybe he is. And if he if he does get the nomination, all power to him. We'll be all behind him. But last night, as far as a, a political event, I'd say it was a tie between Giuliani and Rob Astorino. They were both fantastic. Well, and way, way, way in the back. 
a tie for last place. I know it doesn't really four people, whatever, but uh, Zeldin and Wilson, they both did themselves no favors, took major steps backwards. Give me a moment. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Before we get to Joe Biden and his utterly embarrassing speech for all of us, by the way, this morning at the AFL-CIO, yelling his head off like a madman. I mean, yelling and screaming. And these are to people that he's supposed to like and they they support him. He's yelling and screaming like a total whack job. And, um, oh, by the way, where are – well, let's do this real quick. All the problems we have. In America, has nothing to do with his crazy liberal policies or his insistence on overregulation or not letting oil companies do what they do best, right? No. It's all the fault of uh, that guy in Russia. Cut 61, please. Cut 61. Cut 61, please. Cut 61. All right. You just put a sheet in here with uh, from 1 to 61. I would like cut 61, please. No? All right. Never mind, never mind, never mind about that. You can just do me a favor and stop putting these silly papers in front of me if they're not going to correspond with anything, okay? I'll bring my own papers. Like this. This is not going to let me down because I don't have to rely on anybody else. It's a statement by President Donald J. Trump, and he's not going to let us down. And I printed it. It's 12 pages long. You know that ridiculous hearing that started on Thursday night? The January 6th hearing, and they tried again yesterday morning. Oh, and now I hear they're, they're regrouping. They're canceling some of the appearances. Canceling some of the appearances. All right, so listen to this. Our nation is suffering. This is from Donald Trump himself. And you know what? He can communicate very effectively in writing and in speaking. In speaking, we knew that, but in writing. And you think, well, no, he's got speech writers. He edits this stuff. He works with them. He is a stickler. You can actually see it. First of all, you know it's his voice. And there's an interesting moment. He's going to the State of the Union address, and you see him in the back of a limo. The beast, the presidential limo. What does he have? He's got a big Sharpie in his hand, and he's still making pen and ink changes to the speech. He's reading it, and he's making changes. And you can see it. There are a million pictures of this. Like He's got a statement that he's reading from. He crossed out words. He inserted words. He knows communication. He knows marketing. He's got great ideas, and he knows how to get them out there. All right, here we go. Statement by President Donald J. Trump. Our nation is suffering. Our economy is in the gutter. Inflation is rampant. Gas prices have reached an all-time high. Ships are unable to unload cargo. Families cannot get needed baby formula. We are an embarrassment around the world. Our withdrawal from Afghanistan was a disaster that cost us precious American blood and gave $85 billion worth of the best military equipment on earth to our enemy. Millions and millions of illegals are marching to the border and invading our country. We have a White House in shambles with Democrats just this week declaring that Biden is unfit to run for re-election. And what is the Democrat Congress focused on? A kangaroo court, hoping to distract the American people from the great pain they are experiencing. 17 months after the events of January 6th, Democrats are unable to offer solutions. They are desperate to change the narrative of a failing nation without even making mention of the havoc and death caused by the radical left just months earlier. Make no mistake, 
They control the government. They own this disaster. They are hoping that these hearings will somehow alter their failing prospects. A certain Democrat once said, it's the economy, stupid. I think that was James Carville. Well, Democrats now seem to think that Americans are stupid. They are not. America is crumbling, and Democrats have no solutions. Our nation has no hope of change for the better under Democrat leadership. People are desperate. Rather than solving problems, Democrats are rehashing history in hopes of changing the narrative. During my time in office, our nation was thriving. Our economy was strong, and the price of gas was very low. Above all else, we were respected. Perhaps like never before, America prospered under the Trump administration. Damn straight. (laughs) Can you argue with any of that? Can any rational, honest person really find fault with that? Or this, the January 6th unselect committee is disgracing everything we hold sacred about our Constitution. If they had any real evidence, they'd hold real hearings with equal representation. They don't. So they use the illegally constituted committee to put on a smoke and mirrors show for the American people in a pitiful last ditch effort to deceive the American public again. Our Constitution protects the right to confront accusers, honors the right to fair trials and holds the right to legal representation as paramount in our justice system. Equal representation and the opportunity to offer rebuttal evidence is fundamental in our legal process. The committee has obliterated those rights and is making a mockery of justice. They have refused to allow their political opponents to participate in this process and have excluded all exculpatory witnesses and anyone who so easily points out the flaws in their story. MAGA witnesses are interrogated behind closed doors and ordered not to record their own testimony. Members of my staff, my friends, supporters, volunteers, donors, were subjected to hours upon hours of inquisition, oftentimes having nothing to do with January 6th. Their very lives were turned upside down for obvious reasons. They were told it was an ongoing investigation, and any reproduction of the interrogation would be viewed as an attempt to interfere in the investigation. They were gagged, threatened, and in some cases, ruined. This is happening in America. And the man they call a liar is the ultimate truth teller, Donald J. Trump. Hey, by the way, happy birthday, Mr. President. He's 76. I think he's going to live to be 106 at least. We'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Feels good to hear from President Trump. Very good. Man is at the top of his game. Uh, Let's see. Another guy who is... uh, He's at the top of his game, I guess, but his game sucks. Is our mayor, Eric Adams. He's mayor in... He's officially the mayor, but he's not the mayor. He doesn't know how to be the mayor. He doesn't know anything. He literally knows nothing. So what is he doing? He's partying. He's campaigning, making celebrity friends, and going on vacation. That's what he's doing. In a way, he doesn't have a choice because he doesn't know what to do. 300,000 or so employees working for the city. This guy's never managed anything more than uh, a mailroom. 
literally a mailroom. The borough president's office, that's a mailroom. They have no clout whatsoever. They have no authority. They can write letters, which I'm told comes very difficult to Eric. So there's a story in the New York Times. Remember when the New York Times, I mean, you got to go way back, but it was trustworthy. It was like, somebody told me they didn't read the Times. I was like, what's your problem? You're reading, these things aren't real news. You don't read the Times? How do you know what to think? That's how a lot of folks acted. There are a lot of people who still act that way. But others, uh, we've, we've smelled the proverbial coffee, and it stinks. This city, through the bogus, uh, what the hell is that called? Misplaced voting, uh, ranked choice voting, misplaced and ranked choice voting, elected a guy, 200,000 votes or so made him mayor in a city of 8 million people. And a lot of trickery, all kinds of trickery. If anybody can explain that ranked choice voting for me, please. And they did it by basically, he did it in part by getting a pass because he's black. I mean, who was going to come out against the black guy after Black Lives Matter summer? Not many. Especially the media class, they're so consumed with race. And so consumed with who's cool and who's not, what's in, what's out. A black man was in. An Asian man? Oh, That was out. So they picked on Andrew Yang. And they're still playing this crazy game. Eric Adams plays it himself, by the way. Hey, remember when he came out and said uh, he didn't like the way the reporters looked? There were too many white faces looking at him. Remember when he called all those white people at the NYPD a bunch of crackers? The man is a racist. And he doesn't know anything. Now... I don't think he's getting away with it. People are kind of, when they're tuning in and they see, they feel it, they see the crime, they feel the crime, the tension, and then they see the numbers up 60% on his watch. On his watch. He doesn't know anything. Just the other day, he's saying, well, we're going to figure out how to deploy the officers. You're going to figure out how to deploy them, huh? So a great big uh, beat around the bush, wet kiss for Eric Adams in today's New York Times. New York Times. What does it say? They say he's, uh, he's not governing. He's busy raising money. But you really got to concentrate to pick up that message. In fact, it's so buried that it's really not there. This is, uh, this is another suck-up piece by two reporters, Emma Fitzsimmons and Dave, Dana Rubenstein. Now, one of the reasons why they're so nice to him is because they don't want to be called Karens. I don't think anybody should be called a Karen, by the way. A Karen is a, is a racist term that's been used against white women by the far left to shame them and to force them into voting and being a certain way. How dare you stand up for yourself? Do not assert yourself. No. You give in to the mob. You do not. You have no clout. You have no standing. You're just a Karen. You're just a white woman. Now, these two reporters, they know, they know what's going on culturally. Hell, they work at the New York Times. You can't get hipper than that. And they know what our sick culture is saying. Well, now white women, if you don't behave, you'll get called a Karen. And you're this close to getting canceled at any given time. 
A woman in St. Louis, you remember that? It was international news when she didn't want to let a stranger into her apartment building. The stranger happened to be black. She happened to be blonde. Not only blonde, uh, not only white, but blonde. Yeah. Ooh, what a combo, right? So here we go. We have a mayor. We have a city totally out of control and a mayor who does not know what he's doing. None. No clue whatsoever. But they're still going to be nice to him. Not long after celebrating his first 100 days in office, Eric Adams was poolside in Beverly Hills, California, already thinking about the future. Wearing a crisp blue suit and fuchsia tie, Mr. Adams spoke to a crowd of vegan enthusiasts about his allegiance to a plant-based diet in an event that mid, at the mid-century home of Noreen Shankar, a Hollywood showrunner and producer of CSI Crime Scene Investigation. See, he's in it for all the wrong reasons. Celebrity friends, that crypto stuff, reporters' attention. It goes on. The underlying motivation, however, was another passion, raising money for his re-election campaign in 2025. Hmm. Uh, the fundraising event uh, was hastily organized while Mr. Adams was in town to speak on a technology panel at the Milken Institute Global Conference, part of a three-day trip in May where he also socialized with the comedian Dave Chappelle and heiress Paris Hilton. What the hell is he going to talk to Paris Hilton about? Dave Chappelle is about a thousand times smarter than Eric Adams. Even as Mr. Adams has struggled to address a series of pressing challenges in New York, he has launched an unusually early fundraising blitz to secure a second term, a feat that no black mayor of New York City has ever achieved. I mean, that's just bad writing. I mean, you know, I, uh, we've only had one black mayor. It was Dave Dinkins. Makes it sound a little bit more than it is. No black mayor has ever achieved, right? They always have to make their work sound like it's historic, like it's worth something, not the trash that it actually is. The fundraisers coincide with Mr. Adams's efforts to establish a national profile. In March, the mayor held an event in the Chicago home of Desiree Rogers, the former White House social secretary for President Barack Obama. I think I remember her. I think she was fired on her ass about three months into the Obama administration, actually. Yeah, she was. She was shooting her mouth off too much. And also, a lot of uh, ooh, a lot of other prominent rich people showed up. Blah, 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 blah. One rich man will be organizing a fundraiser in a couple of months in the Hamptons. The mayor's team is hoping he will max out his fundraising... Uh, by the end of the summer, according to a Democratic consultant who was briefed on the campaign's plans. A $2 million haul, coupled with the city's generous matching funds program, could enable him to hit the $7.9 million spending cap for the 2025 mayoral primary. Collecting a huge war chest now could fend off potential competitors and capitalize on what remains of the mayor's honeymoon period. When he is still relatively popular, and donors are eager to get his attention. The people have caught on to this full-of-himself empty suit. The people know. And if we can afford it, we're not even going in the subway. We're really looking to get the hell out of this town. Man. And it goes on like this, just a suck-up, kiss-ass piece. 
We've got the worst mayor ever. He's worse than de Blasio. Worse. Look at his appointments so far. Can you think of any? Here's one. He picked a nobody to be police commissioner. I'm sorry. Seems like a nice lady. But she's from the suburbs. And she wasn't even in charge of a suburban police department. And now she's running the most complex police institution in the entire world. And actually, I don't think she's running it. I don't think anybody's running it. I don't think anybody's running it. The more I read about this, when the mayor was in Beverly Hills, oh, goodness gracious. All this crap, having fun. Remember, he came from New Jersey. He came from New Jersey. Now, here we go. Here's a little bit. But look at how gentle it is. The mayor has proved to be a prolific fundraiser. You see, they can't stop guessing his ass. He raised more than $9 million to the Democrat. Yeah, he likes going to parties. And a lot of rich people, well, when they're around somebody like Eric, they lower their standards. They're like, ooh, wow. He looks so impressive. Ooh. Ooh, we've never met anybody like Eric. He looks so good in that suit. Ooh, what a smile. Ooh. Yeah? Ask him about Terry versus Ohio. Ask him about the um, the UF Form 250. Does he even know what the hell that is? He doesn't. It's the form you have to fill out when you stop questioning and frisk somebody. Who's the federal monitor for the for the police department? Do you know who that is? How many recommendations did he make? And how many of those recommendations can you dismiss right now? He doesn't know any of this policy minutia. It's boring, man. He'd rather be at the... What's that silly sushi place he likes? Now, here we go. Mr. Adams, a former state senator and Brooklyn Borough president has at times tested the boundaries of campaign finance and ethics laws. He was investigated for his role in backing a video lottery terminal bidder for the Aqueduct race check track and has been criticized for taking money from developers who are lobbying him to support crucial zoning change. That's as, that's as tough as it gets. And the rest is one big potty. And when I read about this, I get pretty fired up. I get really really concerned because you know what? There are no, there's nobody out there. Very few who would actually take this guy on. You hear it right there. They're raising the money to ward off any potential uh, rivals. Well, you know what? I'm not intimidated. Not at all. And guess what? I'm not going to tell you everything, but let me just put it to you this way. If I decided to run for mayor, money would be the last of my worries. I'm not saying I invested very well in the 90s, but I invested very well in the 1990s. When all my friends, and they were good guys, when they were going uh, drinking beer and doing this, that, and the other thing, I was uh, reading the Wall Street Journal, and they made fun of me for that. I was spending a lot of time on a computer in AOL, when I, with AOL, and you could follow And you know what? I learned how to buy stocks and sell stocks, and I did all kinds of things. So I wouldn't be particularly worried about money. 
his campaign finance board, whatever the hell it is, the matching funds, you can keep your freaking money. You got it? And that goes for you developers as well. This is about the people. Eric, it's about him. Eric knows he thinks it's about him. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. Tony is on the phone from Orange County, New York. Hello, Tony. Boy, after listening to you, uh, you covered everything. Listen, the way I look at it, this this government, they're, they're sick, twisted, and evil. They want to destroy America. If you don't think they want to destroy America, you're in denial. Eric Adams, Hochul, Newsom, Lightfoot, they're screwing up everything, but whoever's controlling them from the top is very happy. You can criticize Eric Adams all you want. Whoever's at the top is laughing. They got you running around here. They got you running around there. Wait a second. Who's laughing? They're laughing at me? No, no, no. They're laughing at at everybody for uh, not you. No, I would never say that. Right. No, it's all right. No, I know what you mean. Look, well, someone's pulling. Everybody, everybody's in denial. You've got to realize their agenda, AOC and the rest, is to destroy America any way they could. All these people coming into the country, that's one way. Do you really think uh, Kamala Harris, she's, she's at the border. What could she do? Tell me. Could she say yes? Well, she's I, not I, at I the border. Want... She's not at the border. But not, but that, that's yeah, I know. Want. Look, they, you're exactly right. They don't want law and order. They want open borders. They want gasoline out of control. They want that. They're sabotaging this country. I do believe some wittingly, some unwittingly. It's absolutely happening, Tony. Thank you very much. Kent is on from Long Island. Kent, yes. Hey, Greg, how you doing? Uh, I just want to say I think you are the best radio and TV host out there. You're better than O'Reilly, Hannity, all of them. And every night I sit down at 7 o'clock for a specific reason, and that's to watch you on Newsmax. And I am pissed that these guys have moved you to 10 o'clock. I lost a lot of respect for, for Newsmax. I'm not watching whoever's taking your place. Well, no, don't worry about it. Don't think of it like that. They're just rejiggering the, the lineup. I mean, technically, 7 p.m. isn't even prime time. 10 p.m. is, actually, I think, still. It doesn't look. It's going to give. I'm sorry it's going to disrupt your schedule, um, but it's going to be. It's going to be. It's still going to be the great show, and thank you for appreciating it. I mean, you know, you can DVR it if you want and uh, watch it the next night. You can watch it on the thing. I don't know, man. I can't lose you, though, right? You're going to stick with me? Yeah, I'm going to stick with you, but Greg, you know, when you watch it from 10 to 11, I go to bed at 11.30. You're going to have me so riled at 11.30 that I'm not going to be able to go to sleep. (laughs) All right, well, I'll keep that in mind, and I'll try to do something soothing towards the end of the show. I'm serious, Kent. That's actually a good point. I got to think about that, how people wind down. Now, look, it's going to, for a lot of other people, they're going to be able to watch when they couldn't. And my wife even has t- trouble watching at 7 o'clock. The kids are still rambunctious. You know what I mean? Kent, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Hey, wait a second. Maria has the opposite opinion. Yes, Maria. Hi. I do, Greg. 
Greg. Thanks for taking my call. I am thrilled you are moving every night from 7 to 10 p.m. on Newsmax. And now I don't have to keep on switching back and forth between you and Jesse on Fox. <laughs> oh, jeez. I, I am thrilled, and I'm going to watch you every night at 10 o'clock. All righty. Well, Maria, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. I got to go. I'll see you tonight, Maria, at 10. Don't forget, I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, I can't stand it when they say Trump should not talk about the election of 2020, right? They love saying that. Oh, he should not talk about that. You got to you got to look forward. You can't look back. Yet they can talk about January 6th uh, all the time, right? I mean, really, even Republicans are always saying this to Trump. Do we have this? I'm about to give you a clip. It's cut 27. Cut 27, please. By focusing on the past, Donald Trump is actually hurting Republicans as they move into the midterms. I think it's time to move on from the 2020 election and look forward to 2024. The only way for you to be viable in the future is for us to win in 2022. So help us. Stop talking about 2020. It's not helpful. Talk about what you would do differently. Um, I want to know more about 2020. I believe the president is right. When he re- when he wrote the following issued uh, late last night, they illegally inflated voter rolls, illegally allowed harvested and stuffed ballots, abused the use of mail in ballots, physically removed Republicans from counting facilities, abused elderly in nursing homes, bribed election officials with donations, stopped counting on election night, gave Democrats three extra days to harvest ballots and demanded that the American people believe it was legitimate. The entire charade of the unselect committee is a brazen attempt to detract the public's attention from the truth. And the truth is that Americans showed up in Washington, D.C. in massive numbers, but seldom revealed by the press on January 6, 2021, to hold their election officials accountable for the obvious signs of criminal activity throughout the election. Those who are supposed to be public servants are using the power of government against the people who entrusted them with the power. We've been betrayed. Now, I think one of the things we're going to seize on, like, well, holding them accountable, is that code? No, it's not code for anything. It's code for making your voices heard, if anything. And you're allowed to do that. So you can't talk about the election. Oh, no, no, no. Got to look forward. Got to look forward. Got to look forward. Well, (laughs) um, he actually has a vision. He's always campaigned on ideas. The other guys, they're the ones who campaign on slogans, on empty, half-baked promises. So you can't talk about November of twenty. What was Election Day? Was it November 3rd? November 3rd of 20? You can't talk about that, but you can talk all you want about January 6th. In fact, it's your duty to talk about January 6th. Got 28, please. Got 28. And turning now to the investigation into the January 6th Capitol attack. Fox New Developments on the January 6th insurrection will bring you the latest. Let's talk about the January 6th committee. The important stage of the investigation into the January 6th insurrection. I think January 6th is another uh, example. And they keep falling, the January 6th bombshells, that is. Okay, let's talk about January 6th. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, you guys want to talk about three hours in January, three, a year and a half ago. And we talk about Black Lives Matter summer, the summer of fire, the looting, the disgraceful conduct, the demonization of cops everywhere. They only seem to like uh, five cops now. 
The Capitol Hill Five, uh, Gunnell, Fanone, Hodges, Dunn, and now the new one. What's her name? Carolina. Carolina the Blonde. You know what they all have? They all have a great big chip on their shoulders. You ever notice that nobody says chip on their shoulder anymore? It used to be a negative thing. You know how that guy's got a chip on his shoulder. Well, you know why? Because everybody's got a chip on their shoulder. It's the way we are. It's the way we operate. It's like everybody has a chip on their shoulder. You know, you used to have, uh, what was that saying? Hey, you don't have to make a federal case out of it. I think that came from Abbott and Costello or the Honeymooners. Dad, what are you doing making a federal case out of it? You know, don't make a big deal out of it. Nobody ever says that anymore. Yet we have more federal cases than ever before. You know why? Well, because people love drama. They love making their little tiny bean a great big mountain. Yeah, that's the way. What do people seem to crave the most? Money and attention. And that's a shortcut to both. Yeah. Making a federal case out of it. Maybe I'll sue somebody, you know? Maybe you'll sue. Maybe you'll get on Twitter. Maybe you'll get uh, on a reality show. Speaking of which, has anybody seen those horrible women on The Real Housewives? I mean, my goodness gracious. Foul. I mean, they're pretty, especially these ones from Dubai. Sick programming. Sick. We have no nothing. Please don't watch them anymore. I'm not trying to cancel anybody. But your life would be much better off without the real housewives, princes, whatever the hell they are from Dubai and Orange County and Atlanta and Jersey and New York. All of them. Get rid of all of them. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, First things first. 10 p.m. tonight is my new time slot for the Newsmax show hosted by me. The Greg Kelly Show will now be seen at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 9 Central. That's uh, 8 Mountain, 7 Pacific. There, got it. All right? All right? Hey, I actually like it. Uh, It's going to give me a bit more time to get things done. It's going to get me a, a little bit more time for working out and that kind of stuff. Um, And also for fighting the fake news. I like it. Uh, it's it's good for me, and I think we'll find some viewers on the West Coast. I hope we have pretty good distribution out there. I've never really uh, evaluated that, but I'm pretty sure we're gonna we're gonna crush it. All right, look that TV show. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. All right, and there's a reason why some people out there don't want you to see it. Okay, so uh, we are crushing it. Uh, the show is uh, something that I love to do. Um, I really, quite frankly, love to do whatever the hell it is I'm doing. I uh, I just, I'm very grateful to the Lord. I know sometimes I, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, I make him, uh, well, listen, I'm doing a hell of a lot better than I was six years ago. Man, I was one lost puppy. One lost, sick puppy. Um, but I finally realized that all of the negative things that had happened in my life, I stopped crying and whining about them. Oh, why did this happen to me? I'm so unfair. This shouldn't have happened. This should not have happened. I was going on and on about my my little woes and, you know, this disappointment, that disappointment. And I'm like, can you believe this happened? You know, 
And I once, you know, I was wondering, you know, why is God so mad at me? He must be mad at me if he let that happen. And and this amazing Christian told me, you know, he's not mad at you, but he's probably trying to get your attention. And I'm like, what? It works that way? <laughs> yeah, oh, yes, it works that way. It's throughout the Bible. It is throughout the Bible. And maybe you heard of Saul. Well, Saul became Paul. Saul was this monster of a guy. I mean, he slaughtered Christians. He hated Christians. Wherever he went, he went after them. He thought that they were believing in, the, you know, just a sham. He didn't believe in any of it. And then one day on that road to Damascus or front, over there, he's a big flash of white light. And, oh, my God, he's, he sees Jesus and he hears Jesus. He got his attention. Got his attention. He was blind for a little while. Saul became Paul, you know, born again, and everything changed. I don't think he liked being blinded by the light, for, at least initially. What the hell's going on here? I lost my vision. He was just trying to get his attention, and it works that way. It really does. Now I see it, and I, it's kind of wild when you know it's coming from him, when something happens and you know he's in charge. Your enemies could get up early in the morning. They could plot, scheme all day long to get you. But when you have a relationship with God Almighty, how the hell is whoever it is who's busting your chops going to win? Know what I mean? Sure, they may get short little victories here and there, and God may want them to have those short little victories here and there. To make you do something, to get you closer to Him, this is one complex world to us, but he's got it all figured out. I I know. I know. And if you'd like to make this journey, look, I'll just tell you what made all the difference 10 years ago. Yeah, 10 years ago. I went through a pretty horrible public scandal, quite frankly. And um, I was in that woe is me phase. And someone, gave, a very special person, gave me a Bible and said, you, you know, you could benefit from reading this. And I, I what are you talking about? What, who made you such a church lady? I know all this stuff. And it sat there for about three or four years. And then I started, wait a second. I, I started reading it out of curiosity. I got up to meditate. You ever hear a meditation? You got to do the transcendental meditation. Well, I tried it. It was nice, but I kept on falling asleep. And I was like, okay, this isn't working. Why don't I, maybe I should, maybe I should open this Bible. Because I grew up a Christian, but did I really think about it? Did I really? And the answer was no. I mean, at times I did, but I thought I had all the answers. And then I realized what a what a silly fool I had been for so long. And then when you start reading that Bible, oh my God, it's amazing that things, and he starts talking to you, and you see it in your life, and you see it in people, and everything starts to make sense. And you realize that the creator of the universe cares about you, cares about me? mind-blowing. The littlest details of your life. He knows everything. Everything you did, everything you didn't do, the good and the bad, and he loves you. Loves me. And uh, can't cheat him. We shouldn't cheat him. And you don't want to cheat him once you realize, hey, this is all real and there's a real way to get to know. You don't want to. You lose the desire to do with that stuff. Most of the time. I mean, every now and then you can be consumed by the, but it, it doesn't happen as much at all, actually, for some people I know. And anyway, how did I get all into this? Oh, yes, the the Bible that was given to me in 2012 was the Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible. 
and uh, what made the difference for me. You've heard of Charles Stanley. He's a minister in Atlanta. Pretty famous. Not everybody knows him, but he's pretty famous. And um, it has little notes and footnotes and explainers in there. And I know there's somebody, uh, what's her name again? Sally or Springy. I'm going to get her that uh, soon. I highly encourage it. It's a beautiful journey. There's none better. Hey, look at Harry Wilson. The guy could be anywhere in the world last night. Eh, I'm not going to put that on him. He, who knows what's going on in his faith journey. Hey, by the way, I can be brutally tough with people, as you know. And how does that square with everything I just said? Well, here's the deal. I actually love everybody. I do. I love Harry Wilson. I love Lee Zeldin. I love uh, Andrew Giuliani. I even love Eric Adams. But I don't have to like him. Now, I like Andrew Giuliani, but I don't like Eric Adams. But he's here for a purpose as well. God has a plan for his life as well. He's trying to get his attention. And maybe part of the mission was, Eric, you go run for mayor, and then Greg Kelly is going to come along and run against you and beat you. (laughs) That could be his plan. We'll see. We'll see. All right, Hunter Biden. Uh, No, forget Hunter. Joe. Oh, we all have to run out and support Kathleen Buell. That's Hunter Biden's ex-wife. And I'm going to buy her book as a way to support her. She needs money. She's married to Hunter Biden. And you know what? Joe is so mean and vicious to her. He really was. We'll get into that later. Here's Joe being mean and vicious to his audience. Is this where he's screaming his head off? Cut 51. This is from this morning in Philadelphia. We got all kinds of problems. And Joe is in denial. Let's go to cut 53, please. Cut 53. Do you remember when our economy was like uh, what it looked like before we took office? 3,000 Americans are dying every day from COVID. 20 million Americans had lost their jobs on the last guy. In fact, so many Americans lost their jobs that my predecessor became just the second president in history to leave office with fewer jobs in America than when he took office. You're going to point your finger. You're going to judge. (laughs) You see what's going on here? You're cooking the books to say something like that? You are a dishonest man. And we knew that about you ever since you first opened your mouth. 1987. I remember where I was when I found out you were a liar. And back then, the press wasn't afraid to point out that Democrats could lie. (laughs) Wow, that was something else. And what's going on? Hey, have you seen your 401k down 40%? Everything's taking huge hits, gas prices, and he's... He's out there putting down Trump. Hey, you got it already. Let's see what you can do. Nothing. Who's his? I don't like hearing from him. I really don't. Oh, boy. But he's got a somebody who looks like she's nice. Corrine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary. I'm sorry. She just can't get over this uh, this this orientation of hers. I don't care, but she does. Here she is from the White House podium. First day on the freaking job. You'd think she'd talk about Joe Biden and what he's got in store. No, she talked about uh, she likes girls more than boys. Cut 36, please. I am obviously acutely aware uh, that my presence at this podium uh, represents a few firsts. Uh, I am a black gay immigrant woman. 
the first of all three of those to hold this position. I would not be here today if it were not for generations of barriers, pe barrier breaking people before me. I stand on their shoulders. If, if it were not for generations of barrier-breaking barrier people before me, I would not be here. Mm, not impressed. Not impressed. Now, she's a terrible spokesperson as well. She was talking to, what's that guy's name again on CNN? He's a nice guy, actually. I met him in town once. Don, Lem Don Lemon. Where's the Don Lemon quote? It's here. She was talking to Don Lemon. You got you got that, Rich? Um, skip it. For now, let's go to her accusing Donald Trump of hating her because she's a gay immigrant black woman. That's really trying to get. I don't think she's ever, ever spoken to Donald Trump. And by the way, he has no problem with gay women whatsoever. Believe me. Cut 35. The man who is now sitting in the building I used to work in hates everything that I am. A black gay immigrant woman. A black gay immigrant woman. A black gay immigrant woman. And she's standing outside the White House pretending that Donald Trump is in there steaming about her. And then I've shown this on the show. I got about 50,000 pictures of Donald Trump with various black gay people from other countries. He loves people, but they just tell themselves that he's this monster. Okay, so it's one thing she said that before she got to the White House. She says it on her first day as press secretary, and this is still her calling card. Um, she sits down with ABC News, cut 37, Kareem Jean-Pierre, press secretary to the president of the United States, talking about herself, cut 37. My coming out story, when I was 16 years old, I realized that I was different, and I kind of, I kind of knew. Yeah, really. there was a knowingness. There's a knowingness that you are different, so you're trying to figure out. And at 16, I came out to my mom. She did not take it very well. I said to her that I was a lesbian, that I was gay, and for her, it was just like you could see her head spinning. I think you described it in your book as repulsive. Repulsive. She was repulsed, and um, it was very sad. Well. That's your business, isn't it? I, I you know, I and I, I get it. Now it's twenty twenty two, and we're supposed to have a party every time that happens. And June is the biggest party I've ever seen. I have never seen so much gay awareness in my life. I don't see the American flag anywhere. Hey, by the way, it's Flag Day. I don't see one American flag. All right, there's one in front of the restaurant. Everywhere else I go, it's the gay pride flag, which they've modified. Now it actually looks like a country because they've got the transgender triangle coming out from the other side i already told you here's my position on all of this stuff it's the pride part that kind of drives me crazy hey we were just talking about the bible pride is like actually something you're supposed to avoid pride in something because it all comes from god you can't take pride in that pride pride i'm going to take pride in being a straight i know i know yeah right they used to have to hide in the closets and all that stuff well you know what Quite frankly, they're making straight white men feel like they've got to hide, that they got to shut up and sit down. Nobody should shut up and sit down. It should be about the quality of your ideas, your contributions. And guess what? Often with age comes experience and wisdom. There are a lot of 20-somethings running around. I mean, I know this has always been the case probably, right? Always been the case. 
But I got to tell you, there's something I've noticed. I, 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 I know some uh, 20-somethings, and I was talking to somebody about movies the other day, and they took such pride in telling me that they had never heard of this movie I like called Rope by Alfred Hitchcock. And they like, <laughs> that sounds like it was made before I was born. And they said that so smugly, and they were born in 1998. Yeah, well, the movie was made in 1948. That's before I was born, too. But they took they take such pride in not knowing things. They have to, it can only be, if it didn't happen eight seconds ago on TikTok, and it wasn't Christina Aguilera or some whoever the hell else they like right now. Gunna, have you heard about the rapper Gunna? He's really cool. Happens to be in jail, but he's still considered really cool. Hey, before I go, ooh, somebody wants to say something about the new time spot. Uh, Sandra in North Bergen, New Jersey, hello. Oh, good afternoon, Greg. It's Sandra. You know, I'm the sister of David, and my mom is Beatrice. Oh, of course, B. <laughs> yes, I know your brother, and you're the best people in the world. Yeah. I, I, Greg, I wanted to tell you that I'm, per- I'm happy that you are on at 10 o'clock, and I'll tell you why. At 7 o'clock, in all honesty, I was taping you and um, Jesse, okay, at 7 o'clock, because I love you both. I mean, I do. But now, Laura Ingram lately turned me off when she didn't promote Oz. And after that, I, I kind of saw her a little differently. So I'm very excited that now at 10 o'clock, you're on all the time. And now I don't have to take anybody and I personally think it's a better time. Seven o'clock is not such a great time. People are busy. People are busy, and you know, another one. It's four o'clock in California. At least it's nighttime, coast to coast, to the extent we're on coast to coast. Well, Sandra, uh, I love it. How's your brother? He's doing well, thank you so much. I'll tell you, you'd ask for him. Your brother yeah, is in the uh, passport photo business, and it's the most That's amazing right. business. He invented it. He told me the whole story once. Hey, what's it called again? What's the name of it? Um, it's easy. It's easy passport stuff, and it's it is easy. Right. I used it. I, I I you just get a passport in like no time. He's got all these connections at the State Department, whatever. I don't know how it works, but it's amazing. Get your passport back in no time whatsoever, and you don't have to go to the passport photo place, which I did once. The uh, what is it? I went to the drugstore, and the girl wasn't there, and then I went back, and she didn't know how to use the machine, and this thing I took it right on the phone. Well, it's easy is good not only for passports, for everything, motor vehicle, things that you have to do, anything related to motor vehicles or passports. That's what it's easy is all about. All right. Well, I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. And uh, Sandra, we miss B, but, uh, you know, it was an honor to know her while she was alive. It really was. You know what I mean? Even if it was just over the radio. She always uh, she always made that show. I appreciate it, Sandra. Best to everybody. I actually. Thank you so much. Thank Uh, you, Greg. You bet. You bet. And uh, with that, yes, it's time. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. He should have been arrested for that. It's a sitting U.S. Senator. Chuck Schumer should have been arrested for that. Hey, by the way, we got to have Joe Pinion back on. He's a Republican running against Chuck Schumer. Um, so 
You know, there was a real assassination attempt against Justice Kavanaugh. I wonder if he was fired up in part by Chuck Schumer. That was more aggressive than anything I've ever heard Donald Trump say. Way more aggressive. That was a call to violence. Absolutely. Now, it's kind of wild that they buried that story about the would-be assassin of Kavanaugh. Yet who remembers uh, when Gretchen Whitmer, she's the horrible mean girl governor of Michigan nobody likes her whatsoever, and uh, there was a plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. Now, granted, all these guys were on a farm 150 miles away, and uh, some FBI agent said, hey, wouldn't it be funny if we uh, you know, went to the state capitol and kidnapped uh, Gretchen Whitmer? And all the good old boys said, yeah, yeah. Well, they threw the cuffs on him and arrested him for that. And one by one, they've been found not guilty. Pretty, uh, pretty amazing. But the fake news, oh, my God, what an opportunity for them. So the plot against Kavanaugh, nothing, not one mention on the Sunday shows yesterday. Nothing at all. Zero, zero point zero on this week with George Clintonopoulos. George Clintonopoulos. I know that's kind of old. I got to find my own name for that guy. Um, the Chuck Todd show, all of it, nothing, nothing. Now, when Gretchen, though, Gretchen Whitmer, mean girl governor of Michigan, when that phony plot and all that stuff, now listen to how they lost their mind about her and her safety was such such risk. Keep in mind, these guys were, I, I believe, for the most part, set up, but it's cut 34, please, cut 30. Remember, nothing for Kavanaugh, zero. An attack that may have been motivated in part by a sitting U.S. Senator, more than a U.S. Senator, the majority leader, Chuck Schumer, maniac. That plot to kidnap Michigan's governor, Gretchen Whitmer. Hate groups heard the president's words not as a rebuke, but as a rallying cry, as a call to action. Does President Trump bear responsibility for encouraging hate groups? Your reaction to that new salvo from President Trump last night, Governor Whitmer said this, this is exactly the kind of rhetoric that has put me, my family, and the lives of other government officials in danger. Last week, 13 members of two anti-government Michigan militia groups were arrested as part of an alleged plot to kidnap and then put Governor Gretchen Whitmer on trial for treason. She joins us now from Lansing, Michigan. Wow, she loved it. All that attention. You can turn that music down. That's not, oh, is it time to leave? Oh, shoot. Oh, well, all right, I'll be right back. Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, this is pretty wild. Gosh, you know, Flag Day. It is Flag Day, right? American flag. Where is the, why did we start doing this? I think it had something to do with World War I. I'll update you in a moment on that. I do remember as a kid, we proudly put the damn flag. The great, all right, the thing, we put the American flag in front of the house, 757 Sprague Street in Baldwin. We had a little uh, little slot for the flag. I'd wave it for a little bit on the pole, and then we put it in there. And it was great. It was cool. And what did it represent? As kids, we learned the stripes, 13 stripes. What did they represent? 13 colonies. 
And then back in the colonial days, it was uh, 13 stars for the 13 colonies. And then we grew and grew and more stars. And anyway, something that kind of represented some cohesion, some commonality as a country. A flag day, the only flag I can see all over the place is the gay pride flag. And uh, that's it's gotten it's it's over the top now. We all know it. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, you're not supposed to say it. Well, no, this is still America. I will honor Flag Day by saying, "What is it? It's my freedom to say, and it's so obvious." Okay, enough with the gay pride stuff. You're jamming it down people's throats. This is not to be celebrated it's also not to be denigrated it's just like me i uh, the the my orientation am i going to celebrate that no am i should it be denigrated no like i've said before i am a white male straight christian well i'm well i'm proud of the christianity part but uh, the white male part i didn't choose any of that that's me i am not proud but i'm not ashamed stop trying to make us feel ashamed stop trying to make us feel less than you know, Joe Biden is going out. He's marveling, marveling at about how many black people there are in commercials and mixed race couples. He can't believe it. I don't think I was particularly noticing it, but I do notice this now in total absence of white people. Total absence of white people. And in the movies, the white guy lately is always the stupid guy. Always, you know, just doesn't the guy who doesn't really get it. Now, a couple of small, rare exceptions. Tom Cruise still gets to be Tom Cruise. But for the uppercomers, you know, it's not about what you got on the inside. It's not about your character. It's about what you look like. And they'll make assumptions about who you are based on what you look like. And this is the furthest thing from America, right? It's just that's not who we are. That's not what we're all about. I think it's kind of more of a, you know, China doesn't have that much experience. I don't know. I want to know more about where this horrible ideology came from. So right now, the Biden administration says put up Black Lives Matter flags on any embassy in the world. A Black Lives Matter flag. What does that represent? It represents socialism. Go look it up. Black Lives Matter, a total scam organization that Patrice Colors took all that money to buy all those stupid houses. BLM is a slogan. It's trademarked Black Lives Matter by three individuals who started this front to line their own pockets. And no, we don't embrace it, especially when they said they're anti-family, anti-nuclear family. That's Their agenda is not my agenda. Okay, the BLM leaders. Yes, there are all kinds of people who look all kinds of different ways who are not on board with this stuff. Yet now it's sanctified. Hey, good for, not Walmart, um, Home Depot. Home Depot just won a lawsuit. They were sued by a group of employees who insisted on wearing Black Lives Matter paraphernalia to the store. You know, they're wearing those little orange smocks. By the way, <laughs> I was in a Home Depot not too long ago. I couldn't find anybody to help me. And the, 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 you just, they don't have, they're understaffed. I guess everything's understaffed. All right, whatever. They said, Anyway, Home Depot won. You cannot wear Black Lives Matter paraphernalia, pins, hats, and whatnot on the uniform. And I think that's just fine. And oh, by the way, a lot of these places, I get it. You can't wear anything that's political. You can't wear a Make America Great Again hat at work when you're in the 
when you're in the Home Depot orange smock. I can see that. I'm okay with that. I would hope they might make an exception for an American flag, right? Is that going to trigger somebody? Is somebody going to have a hard time with that? All right. Oh, one more thing about this, Corinne Jean-Pierre. This is the spokesperson for the President of the United States, okay? And she is a black, gay, immigrant woman. How do I know that? Because that's what she talks about all the time. A black, gay, immigrant woman. And Donald Trump hates her because she's a black, gay, immigrant woman. Where is she an immigrant from, by the way? She sounds pretty American to me. But anyway, here we go. Cut 35. Karine Jean-Pierre, a black, gay, immigrant woman. The man who is now sitting in the building I used to work in hates everything that I am. A black, gay, immigrant woman. Woman. Well, good for you. At first, I thought, well, maybe she's single. She's looking for a date. Is that why she's telling everybody she's black and gay? We know she's a woman. We know she's black. The gay part, I guess we didn't know. Why is she saying it all the time? Was she looking for a date? I wondered. But apparently she's in a committed relationship, and that's beautiful. I actually know her uh, spouse. Well, I met her twice, Suzanne Melvo. And uh, let's see here. Oh, but she's really crummy at the job of being a spokesperson for the president of the United States. Now, everybody can see that Joe Biden is, you know, falling down. He's decrepit. He's, you know, he's just not he's not getting through the day in one piece. And Don Lemon uh, asked about that. Don Lemon. Let's Don Lemon from CNN asked about that. Go ahead, please. Her reactions. Uh, Does the president have the stamina physically and mentally, do you think, mentally? to continue on even after 2024? Don, you're asking me this question. Oh, my gosh. He's the president of the United States. You know, it, he. I can't even keep up with it. We just got back from New Mexico. We just got back um, from California. Uh, that, is, I, 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 that is not a question that we should be even asking. Just look at the work that he does. Look what he's, how he's delivering uh, for the American public. Look, that, what, that, that, that article that we're talking about is his hearsay, it's salacious. That's not what we care about. We care about how are we going to deliver for the American people? How are we going to make their lives better? That's what the president talks about. That is his focus. Uh, and that's where we're going to continue yeah. uh, to, to focus on. Wow. She's really like, look, I got my talking points here and I'm going to read from my talking points. How dare you? How dare you talk about anything that's not on my talking points? She stinks at this job. And that's why they had to appoint a guy over her, there's a guy who basically they, 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 she has a new boss because, well, you just heard what happened there. Oh, one other thing. Uh, the debate last night, the gubernatorial debate. Let's see. Harry Wilson, Lee Zeldin, Rob Astorino, and Andrew Giuliani. Got to admit, I was very impressed by Astorino, Rob Astorino, and Andrew Giuliani. They were both calm, cool, collected, knowledgeable, um, likable. Uh, I would like to see them both win. I really, and, and you know what? And the thing about Andrew, Marsha Kramer, who is one of the nastiest people on earth, just tried to, just so condescending with him. And Andrew, man, oh man, he's handling this like an old pro, okay? Cut 64. Uh, she asked about, uh, she was trying to catch him in something. Go ahead, cut 64. Everyday New Yorkers are feeling the pinch of the economy, rising prices for food, gas, just about everything. Um, and they're affecting the family pocketbook. What can you do as governor? What can you do as governor yeah. to bring some relief? 
Well, how amazing a difference it's been over the last two years, Marsha, when we were looking at $2 a gallon gas, and now New Yorkers this winter may have to make the tough decision between filling up their fridge and heating their home, and uh, it, it really is terribly sad. I think first and foremost, well, from an energy standpoint, what, can you what do? we can do, I'm, I'm answering the question here, Marsha. Um, I think what I can do first and foremost is we can tap into the Marce Marcellus Shale and specifically the energy and make New York truly the best fracking state in the country. Hey, good for him. I don't know anything about the Marcellus Shale, do you? I don't know where the hell that is. I guess it's upstate somewhere. and They've got a lot of natural gas, and he's all about fracking. But she kept doing that. She kept that. You have another one? There's another one later. And he's like, hey, cut, cut it out. I know what you're trying to do here. Stop interrupting me. Let me answer the question. And he does, and he did it brilliantly. He was really good. Andrew Giuliani, I could totally see him as governor. And I could also totally see Rob Astorino as governor. Let's see here. Uh, I think we got him going after Lee Zeldin. Now, Zeldin started it. All right, Zeldin definitely started it. You got one of those things, please? Where is that? Just give me something of that, all right? Hit it. We cut taxes in Westchester seconds. County, and I will cut taxes in New York State. I know how to do it because I've actually done it. Go to my Twitter feed right now and see the, the proof. Lee Zeldin just told the biggest whopper ever that he didn't vote for the Cuomo budgets. Cuomo submits the budget, the executive submits it, and the legislator voted for it. So for him That's to say that happened. he didn't go with the agenda of Andrew Cuomo, who, by the way, I ran against because he was a corrupt thug back then, but you thought he was the greatest in the world, and you said endorsed he you over him of the United States of America. I endorsed you over him. Really? You didn't do anything? Well, I don't know. That didn't seem like the most uh, fireworks I've ever heard, but he was uh, he was very, very strong. What's going to happen next? I uh, I don't know. When is the primary? The 28th? The 28th. Okay. Could be interesting. I would love it if one of my friends... Now, Zeldin, I thought he was just too mad. He was too mad, and he's got, like, all these weird beasts with everybody. Um, I mean, you don't have to... I understand politics. You're probably not going to like your opponent, but... You don't have to let everybody know that it's so nasty and personal. And this Harry Wilson guy, what do I think of Harry Wilson? I think Harry Wilson got a little bit too bent out of shape, too. Do we have a little bit of Harry Wilson responding to the the Zeldin guy? Congressman Zeldin, I should say. He's a good, he's good, but uh, no, I don't like, uh, I wasn't impressed by this. Go ahead. Marsha, I got the first rebuttal because Mr. Zeldin's attacked me twice in the last appearance. So let's be clear. What, what's happened in 2010, Mr. Zeldin and I campaigned together. In the years since, he has asked me multiple times to run for statewide office. In January of this year, he asked me to be on his ticket. Now, why is he dishonestly attacking me now? Because his campaign is disintegrating. He is spending illegally because he has spent all of his primary cash. And he knows he is flailing. So he's attacking the biggest threat because we're surging right now. The reason we're surging is when people know about our turnaround plan to fix New York State, it's not some career politician who failed us in Albany for four years, but someone's going to come in after 30 years of fixing broken companies, turn Albany upside down, and make it work for the voters and taxpayers of the state, just like I have done in company after company. That's the skill set we need in Albany, not another failed Albany politician. Mm, all right. What about when they're really fighting? He was talking way too fast, and I have to take his word for it. I don't know anything about turning around companies. Did he do that? I guess he did. He said he did. I'm always reading in the press that he's rich. Uh, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I do know that there are gay pride flags everywhere I turn and not enough American flags. You know what I mean, Barbara? Barbara's hey, calling. How are you? Good. I'm very well. Happy Flag Day to you. My flag 
is flying, and it flies every day in front of my house on Long Island. Wonderful. And I wanted to to thank you for letting us know that you'll be on at 10 o'clock tonight because I would have found you whatever time you were on because I find I can trust you. When you said long ago that you would not give up on the Ashley Babbitt murder, which I consider it murder, when you said you would not give up on it, when others have not mentioned this and let it just go under the rug, you have kept it in front of us. And the same thing with the election fraud. How can we ever think that we may have a valid election again if this last election, which was obviously controlled and obviously full of fraud, is not fully investigated and uncovered? What makes Republicans and conservatives think that they're going to win in 2022? Not if the election can't be counted on to be valid. So we cannot stop addressing those. And thank you very much for keeping those in front of us and keeping us updated. Well, thank you so much. And uh, you know what? You remind me, I got to do more. I got to do more, quite frankly, about both issues. The election, can't let that one go. And Ashley Babbitt, Ashley Babbitt, there's just a woman was killed in front of all of us, unarmed, totally unjustified. And how anybody can pretend that that was okay or that that didn't happen And they can have these great big January 6th hearings in prime time and not talk about the woman who was killed, unarmed woman who was killed, just a few feet from where they are. I'm getting all worked up about it all over again. Barbara, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Thanks for noticing. We will keep it up. Uh, Let's see. Mike is in Comac. Mike, yes. Yes, uh, Greg. Um, In regard to the January 6th, We had uh, about, what, five or six uh, of those Capitol Police that committed suicide after January 6th. I find it kind of odd. And I think what they may look into is all the the cops that were uh, opening up the barriers and waving people in, or the the officers that were by uh, Ashley Babbitt. I want to find out if they're part of the uh, victims of the suicides. Maybe they want to stop people from talking. But six after January 6th, I don't know. It sounds kind of uh, suspicious to me. It does, actually. That is a crazy big number. It really is. And I have my doubts. I really do. What the hell's going on there? But remember, you know, they try to say uh, Deadly Riot and Brian Sicknick and all this stuff. And Brian Sicknick, from all accounts, great guy. You know, it takes a hero to join the police department, but you got to earn it every day. They tell us that he died of natural causes. I don't know. I don't know. Too many question marks. I got questions about him and and, and what's her name? Roseanne Boylan and some of the others. You know, some of the deaths, so-called natural causes deaths, may have been caused by the tear gas that the cops threw into the crowd. The heart attacks may have been caused or exacerbated by the flashbang grenades that were tossed by the police. Now, Caroline Edwards the other night, Capitol Hill cop, give her credit for joining. I don't give her much credit now, making a federal case out of herself a year and a half later. How about the battles that cops have to fight every single day? How many cops have died in the line of duty since January 6th? It's disgusting what they're doing. It's absolutely disgusting. Hey, give me one second. We'll wrap up. Hey, remember, I'd appreciate it. 10 o'clock tonight, the Newsmax Show, new time, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. Be right back.
Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, guarantee, guarantee this is going to get me on trouble on Twitter, and I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, too many, not enough American flags on Flag Day. Too many gay pride flags. This is American Flag Day. And do me a favor. Can we make sure it's American Flag Day? All right. What does it say about American Flag Day? I think in the armistice or something like that. I think it's World War One related. Hey, ooh, Joe Biden, a new Ipsos poll has him 28 percent job approval rating for how he's handling the uh, issues. Man, that's bad. You know, you could only keep this up for so long. You thought you could fool Corleone. You think you could fool the American people? We're tough. We're tough and we're smart. Yes, the fake news keeps going at it and at it and at it. Maybe they believe it themselves. They actually don't. You know, they have decided that Joe Biden doesn't cut it anymore, right? They've decided. They are turning on him. They're saying, okay, yeah, no more Joe Biden. We're going we're gonna to push him aside. He's outlived his usefulness. It's like they call the shots, the New York Times. Not you, not me. All right, new time. I got to get psyched up for the show tonight. I got to reorganize a couple of things. Let's do some calls real quick. Gail in Staten Island, yes. In your new, good luck, Greg, in your new time spot. Listen, I was listening before. I was listening to your whole show, and you were talking about that woman in her apartment building where she wouldn't let the man in, and they called her a Karen. You know, now yeah. she's a racist. But uh, on Oprah Winfrey, you know, the bookmaker, the queenmaker, the kingmaker, years ago, I saw Gavin De Becker on, and he wrote a book, and I went and bought it, and it was excellent. He's like a top security to top world leaders and companies and the Hollyweird stars. And he said, you go with your gut, that that was an inherent gift given to us. Like if I was in Atlantic City and I was going up to the room and the elevator door opened and somebody was there that I didn't like or I didn't, I'd say, like, go. You know, you got to go with your gut. I don't know if it's being a woman, a man, that adrenaline flows, and that's what you have to do. Uh, okay. I mean, I mean, not always, though, right? Our gut can, our gut impression can also, uh, you know, lead us, like, down the wrong path. I don't know. You know, I, you know, you get that adrenaline and you go, I don't know if I should do that. I always tell people. I know. know. We're not infallible, though. Hey, George Bush went off his gut and invaded Iraq. So, uh, you know, I mean, it just like I... Look, when the adrenaline's pumping, and, uh, yeah, you got to go with your gut, I guess. Hey, you got to – it's interesting. Yeah, we can talk on and on and about it, it. It is nice if you can get into a certain zone where you can actually suppress the adrenaline. The adrenaline helps you but can also get in the way, and you respond like an animal. We needed that adrenaline. You need actually less adrenaline in this society to function. Some of that stuff is back. Well, look, what the hell do I know? But you can read the book Sapiens. It's all in there. The adrenaline suppression, not artificial, but natural. If you can make that adrenaline go away, you make more clear-headed decisions. But she was totally in the right, whether the adrenaline was flowing or not. Listen, what's the name of that book? The Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker. All right. I am going to check it out. That sounds like a good one. Very good one. Um, uh, Christine in Middletown. Hi. Hi, Mr. Kelly. Good luck in your new time slot tonight. Thank you. Thank you. 
and you're right. Um, if they're going to fly the idiotic-looking new gay pride flag, there better be an American flag above it, because the only flag that deserves top billing is the American flag. Yeah, you know, the Marine Corps had a really nice thing, because uh, the Marine Corps has a flag, too. And when they have a parade, they have the American flag, and they have the Marine Corps flag, and they got this battle flag and that battle flag. But when it comes time for the national anthem, you know what they actually do? They lower the Marine Corps flag. They lower it out of respect for the American flag, even the Marine Corps flag. And wow. I see this uh, I see this gay pride flag. You know, I mean, actually, there are office buildings on Park Avenue. I saw two gay pride flags in front of the same building, no American flag. I've seen that a lot. I saw it on Central Park. I've, I've seen it all over the city, all over the city. Christine, well, thank you very much, as always. Oh, I got to go in a moment. Uh, let's real go real quick. Jacqueline has something to say from Brooklyn. Jacqueline, yes. Yes, Greg. Uh, this has to do with you always telling the truth. It's a Bible quote from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but expose them. And if I can add one thing, I just, regarding, you were talking about the Supreme Court justices, every voter in the country should bombard their Congress representatives every single day until they pass the Supreme Court Police Parity Act that would give the same level of protection to the Supreme Court justices and their families that the legislatures and the White House officials have. That is a great idea. They need protection. Absolutely. It's amazing. Under normal circumstances, these guys drive themselves home. Look at all these lunatics out there. Listen, I'm sorry. Hey, Gail from Westchester, I'm sorry I missed you. And the rest, I'll see you tonight at 10 p.m. Thank you so much. All the best. Bye-bye.